Hello and welcome into Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA. Thank you for watching us on the We the Patriots USA Rumble channel and Red Voice Media, and for listening on New Hampshire Family Radio WLMW 90.7 FM Manchester, New Hampshire, KKBB Radio in Las Vegas, Real Talk 93.3 The Voice of Freedom in St. Louis, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like us on your station, email us at Taryn at WeThePatriotsUSA.org. We all feel like we cannot escape uh, using and being consumed by and being the consumers of big tech these days. We feel like it is unavoidable. And we also feel like our government is very much entwined with the inner workings of big tech. And so today we are going to talk to Cyrus Noriala of SciWest Communications, and he's going to give us some insights into how that um, very uh, integrative relationship happened between companies like Google and Microsoft and Facebook, how all of that got intertwined with the government and how that is affecting your privacy and actually if you even have any true privacy. But of course, we always want to offer you solutions here and and showcase people that are faithfully pursuing freedom here on Faithful Freedom. So um, we're going to uh, go down that path of educating ourselves on this topic, but also finding solutions. And this is coming off of the heels of some some headlines um, over the past couple weeks, like Google announcing a worldwide ban on independent media from search results. Not like this show had ever a prayer of ending up in Google's search results to begin with, but um, now it literally doesn't. Neither does anybody else out there trying to get you um, pertinent information. I also saw recently that YouTube updated its um, updated its no tolerance policies, if you will, to, to say that everything, including medical guidance, not just surrounding the you know what's, have to follow uh, WHO guidance. And that also goes to reproductive uh, rights and reproductive health. I have had my shows with pro-life advocate Abby Johnson censored years ago on YouTube. So that continues to go down that path. We are going to talk to someone today who has solutions for us here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson. This episode is brought to you by Cardio Miracle, a vitamin D and nitric oxide solution that supports better cardiovascular and overall health for your gut, your brain, your muscles, your skin, your hair, your heart, your whole health. Learn about John Hewlett's discovery at cardiomiracle.com. This episode is brought to you by The Carnivore Bar, providing a fuel source for ancestral, carnivore, paleo, and keto eaters who value their on-the-go autonomy without sacrificing quality nutrition. Visit carnivorebar.com for more information. This episode is brought to you by The Freedom People, providing comprehensive solutions for individuals and businesses to take control and protect their freedoms. Visit thefreedompeople.org to reclaim your freedoms. Where do we go from here? Because the battle has just begun. As eyes open, we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives, asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers, educating ourselves and forging a new path forward. Hear from real people faithfully pursuing freedom. This is Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA, a nonprofit 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our God given inalienable rights.
Cyrus, thank you so much for, for joining us today and lending your insights to the tech world. I think so many people feel like they're prisoners of the tech world, but don't know, are intimidated by technology and don't know how to escape it. Yeah, thank you, Taryn, for having me. Um, yeah, it's true. Uh, technology has become very pervasive and intrusive in some cases into our lives, and it's very hard to function any longer uh, without that tech, uh, including with our children and, and what they have to have for school and, and things of that nature. So it is um, something that we have to grapple with um, because the digital landscape has a lot of its flaws and its vulnerabilities, uh, which I don't believe have been addressed properly before everybody was expected to adopt the technology. Yeah, do you think that that is a result of technology just rapidly changing so quickly, or do you think it's more, um, more uh, intentional, I should say, that, that those safeguards were not put into place of, as we've gone along? I, I think there's a little bit of intent behind it. Uh, we have to remember, you know, most people are only familiar with the technology uh, through the internet and their access to the internet. And we've been communicating on networks long before the internet arrived on the scene. But we also have to remember that the internet is a Department of Defense project. It was developed by our government and the military. And if you recall, in 1996, under President Clinton, uh, they had passed the, the Telecom Act, which essentially deregulated the industry. Uh, it's interesting, government seems to believe in capitalism when they want things to spread. Um, and what resulted in the Telecom Act and that deregulation is it opened up the industry to competition, and it brought uh, bandwidth speeds to people's homes that would normally cost uh, a corporation somewhere in the neighborhood of $5,000 a month. Now you could get it for $30 to $50 a month. So it was really an intent to get everybody to adopt and get access and, and hook into the internet. It's interesting that you say that you say that. I mean, I, I remember quotes from Al Gore saying that he invented the internets. He I think he said internets, by the way, whenever yeah. he whenever he said that. And so that makes sense. What was it originally created for when the government did this? Uh, it was supposed to be a network. So the internet uses a specific protocol, and I I'll try not to get too sure. uh, you know on your show. But uh, the protocol basically is self-healing. It should be able to withstand impacts. That network should, should be able to reroute and find its way to its destinations, even if we're under attack and a bomb explodes or, or something happens, uh, that connectivity should remain. And that was really the, uh, the motivation initially by the Defense Department. Interesting. That's so interesting. And then we fast forward, you know, just before then you're talking about the the capitalism and the free market and all these companies stepping in to um, bring us the internet into our homes for, you know, majorly discounted rates than what it really would have originally been. So how does, you know, companies like Google, Facebook and Microsoft then fit into that? Well, we have to remember that the government has always had centralized control over information. You know, there was a time 
for those that are maybe a little bit older in your audience, we only had Walter Cronkite as our source of yep. news, and that was about it. Uh, so the government had a bit of a quandary on their hands. They were opening up this internet, which is this wild and free decentralized, you know, network apparatus. And so how are we going to control where people go and how much information they get? And one of the things that they did was they brought Google into the, the mix. Um, if you recall, Google probably came on the scene around 97, 98. Uh, they usually will find some smart guys that are sitting in a university or doing something in their garage and they'll fund them to extreme levels. And one of the funding mechanisms that you might have seen floating around is InQtel, which is a CIA funding mechanism. And so they'll get funded. Um, not that we should believe everything that comes out of China, but China has called Google several times uh, a government, um, you know, uh, apparatus. Uh, and then if you recall around 1998, you know, I turned to my wife at the time and I said, uh, something's fishy here because Google was very late to the party. Uh, at the time, Yahoo was the largest search engine. We had all others, Excite and Webcrawler and, and others like that. And then all of a sudden, Google just came out of left field. And it was the only search engine that had all of the satellite imagery from around the world. So that you could only get that through the Pentagon. And then the news media came in and they said, so are you Googling? And they turned their company name into a verb. And so and now we'll get to that. We'll talk about why it seems so fishy. Now that you say that you are, it totally clicks for me. Why Google is fishy in its timing here next on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson when we have Cyrus from Cyrus Communications in just a moment. And we are taking a break here to let you know of a breaking news that we had in a case on We the Patriots USA. You can go to wethepatriotsusa.org to learn more about the uh, Supreme Court appeal that we are currently putting through on religious exemptions in the state of Connecticut. They tried to take them and they have currently taking away religious exemptions from school-aged children and people in the state of Connecticut, We the Patriots USA is standing up, vowing to appeal this in the U.S. Supreme Court. We are going to take this, take religious exemptions, this right back in the state of Connecticut, which will have waves go through the United States. So please head over to wethepatriotsusa.org to learn more and to help fund this lawsuit. All right, and we are back here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson presented by We the Patriots USA. We have Cyrus from Cyrus Communications. And what you're saying there makes so much sense. You know, I'm 35, so I remember the times where I'm on Ask Jeeves trying to figure out and search, you know, different things on there. And you're right, Google was so late into the game and, and it became a part of our vernacular. It is very um, fishy. Yeah, the fact is, if it was really being uh, run by the market, uh, we should all be saying today that um, I yahooed it, you know, yeah. uh, rather than that, that I Googled it. So, you know, this became the go to default position for a lot of people. And of course, we know today we didn't really know it back then. But uh, and I'm, I'm not sure that Google was quite doing it yet, because what they do is they open things up and they draw people in and then they start enforcing these policies. And now we see these draconian policies of filtering searches, 
Um, and back then, if, if you recall too, uh, Google was saying that information is power. And I'm not sure that that really resonated with everybody. How can information be power? And now we're really seeing it uh, at its full tilt. And the fact that the technology is so pervasive and the bulk of the information, we live most of our day in this digital world. And because we've replaced the real world with this digital world, now it's much easier for them to manipulate that environment. And I feel like so many people, not only do they feel like the information that they're getting is manipulated because of these companies and big tech, but they also feel like um, we have, we are the product now, right? That they are, that there's no real privacy for any of us, that they know exactly what we're doing at all times and they're selling our information. Um, they know everything about us. Is there any real privacy anymore? Uh, you know, I, I think you have to assume the answer is no. Yeah. Uh, and there are several reasons for that. I mean, we all have heard the stories about speaking around our cell phones and suddenly we get ads. And, you know, that's that's the best possible uh, result of, of this spy network that's going on. Uh, there was an article not too long ago in The Verge, which is a tech magazine online, and a, an entrepreneurial couple were speaking in their home and they received a phone call from one of their employees. And the employee said, you need to disconnect all of those Alexa devices in your house. And they said, why? He said, I just heard your entire conversation uh, about you wanted to change the flooring in this particular room in the house. And he gave them all these details to prove that he had heard the conversation. And they said, well, how did you get this? And he said, I received it in an email as a wave file. And so the article proceeded, you know, talked to Amazon and they admitted there was a bug that released that conversation to everybody in their contact list. But nobody, including the, the magazine, ever addressed the, um, the original problem, which was why was Alexa listening and why did it collect the information and archive it? So they have... Uh, very cleverly convinced everybody to put a spy device in their pocket, to put spy devices in their homes. Uh, there was a day when we used to think, oh, did the government come in and bug my office? Well, <laughs> you're bugging it all yourself. Yeah, you really are. And even, um, you know, I've even heard of, of, of different things happening and trends right now where even people that are thieves that are breaking into cars, they're going around and just turning on the Bluetooth and seeing, you know, which uh, cars have devices that are emitting Bluetooth and everything. We just, you know, if you leave your computer in the car, or what, what have you, we're just always basically a, a beacon <laughs> for everyone, a tracking device yeah. for everyone. And, um, you know, I think to the cloud, which is something that that you guys at SciWest um, specialize in setting up networks, setting up cloud. I, you know, I get bugged by my phone all the time saying I need to connect to the iCloud. And I always say no. I always say no. Am I even protecting myself by saying no, don't connect to that iCloud? Uh, you likely are in terms of, you know, putting your photos um, up there on Apple servers, which is essentially what the iCloud is, um, or anything else that's automatically backing up depending on your app, uh, the way it's the apps are configured on your phone. 
that's one of the things that I, I try to explain to people. I actually live a different life than the common person because I'm so involved in technology. And yes, I do have an iPhone like everybody else, but my photos don't go up to the iCloud. My photos actually go to a cloud-based server that's at our company's network. Um, so I do things like that. Um, you know, my parents, when they retired, uh, they wanted to have personal email accounts. You know, most people have to go to Google with a Gmail account or they're going to go maybe to a Yahoo account, you know, some third party or big tech company that's really exposing their information. Well, for my parents, they came to our cloud and I set them up on those those emails. So, you know, that's an advantage that I have because of, you know, the company that I run and, and, and being involved in technology. But it's also something that people can actually do for themselves. They just have to inquire a little bit more and investigate it. Uh, you don't have to use the Internet the way the narrative tells you you have to use it. So how do you use it differently than what we all think that we have to do? Um, you know, most of us, if we're needing like an email or whatever, even if we're, let's say we're, we're not going to do Gmail, we know that we don't want to do that. But still, we go on and we, we search for it online and it's, um, you know, given to us via all these different services. So how are we able to break free from the norm when it comes to stuff like that? It, it does take a little bit of know-how, but it's not as intimidate. You shouldn't be as intimidated by it as a lot of people are. In fact, if you've got a 13-year-old in the house, they probably can figure it out and show you how to do it. Um, and there are ways you can create what's called a domain for yourself. So, for example, you could be Taryn at Gregson.com. Your domain could be Gregson.com. And once you have a domain like that, um, you can simply set up uh, a mail service for yourself and point that domain to that mail service. Uh, now it can be a service or it can be a server, which means you know if you are a little bit more tech, tech savvy, you can stand up your own server that has mail software on it. The, I think the difficulty for most people is the expense. Um, what a lot of these big tech companies have done in a brilliant way is make these things either free or very low cost. And because of that, people just want to jump in and go in that direction. But everything has a price. And uh, that's one thing that we need not forget. Um, you know, usually if it's free, there's a catch or it's not worth very much. Um, and that's the catch here. You are, and you said it very succinctly earlier, uh, you're selling yourself, you're selling your information, you're selling your habits. Think about all the things that are being tracked now, especially if you have one of these watches that track your health, they know your sleep patterns, they know, you know, uh, your, your heart rate, um, your blood pressure, um, they know all of these things about you and they're collecting it and they're using it. And all we're doing is clicking the box that says, I agree, right? Because we don't read that legalese, even though it's probably what, 15 pages deep. Yeah. And we can't go forward into the process of getting it set up without clicking that box. We'll talk more about this on the other side of the break here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson. 
commit to 10. We are asking all of our audience and listeners to head over to wethepatriotsusa.org and sign up for $10 monthly giving. This is essential for us. This helps us to tackle tyranny before it is too late. It helps us to take on Supreme Court appeals cases like the one we have in the state of Connecticut to win back religious exemptions. We take on cases pro bono and we cannot do it without your help. So please head over to We the PatriotsUSA.org to donate today. All right. We are back on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, and we have Cyrus from CyWest Communications here. We're talking about how, you know, the the expense of setting up, let's say, your own email. So um, people and the government and these companies are not spying on your information, how so many of us fall for. Not only do we fall for the convenience, Cyrus, but we fall for, like you said, very inexpensive or free but it's not free because they are selling your private information. Who are they selling this information to? Uh, they're usually selling it to um, corporations who want to sell you things. Um, but it's also getting sent to agencies and bu bureaucracies within government. So, uh, and you're freely giving this information away. So when you hit those check boxes and say that you agree, you're basically saying that, yes, you can take, all the information and the habits you find out about me and you can share them. And share is a broad term in this case. Uh, they can share it with anybody. And that's why, you know, you do something, you send an email, you you even mention something around your, your cell phone and suddenly you're browsing the web and you see all the banner ads on the side and, and you wonder, well, wait a minute, how did they know I was looking for a rake, for example? Yeah. And now I've got this ad sitting there. Um, I don't know if you followed some of the election uh, scandals that had happened in, in the 2000 mules. Um, this data can be purchased uh, by anyone. And that's how they did that uh, documentary. They just simply purchased the data and tracked where these cell phones were going in their locations. Yeah, it's very um, interesting how it can be used for both good and for bad and for consumerism and for anything and everything under the sun. And I think to a uh, trend over the past couple of years, whether it came out of um, the election or COVID or what have you, are things and and uh, platforms like Telegram and encryption uh, messaging and services. Are these actually as private and as safe as we think they are? Uh, not quite. Um, they do present barriers um, for some to see how you're communicating. And there are two ways you encrypt data. One is when the data is sitting at rest, like on your hard disk drive, or when it's in transport going across the internet. Um, very few people understand that we have an act called the Espionage Act, and it was passed way back in 1917. But you know, uh, encryption is not anything new. Encryption goes way back into even ancient history. Uh, it may not have been as sophisticated, but it was still there. And of course, we all probably know about the Enigma machine during World War II and, and encryption of, of things like that. Well, it's illegal in the United States to transmit an encryption algorithm that the government does not have a backdoor to. Wow. And if you want to verify that, uh, you can uh, Google or Yahoo. Um, you know, Phil Zimmerman, uh, he came out of MIT. He created Pretty Good Privacy or PGP. 
and nobody could crack uh, that algorithm. And uh, he was threatened with jail uh, by the US government. And so he came out with PGP 2.0, which gave essentially the government a backdoor. So if you actually have, and I do, because I just happened to be around in those days, because this was back in 1991. Um, if you have a copy of PGP 1.0, and you have an older operating system to run it on, then you can encrypt your information on a hard disk and nobody can get into it. Uh, but you can't transmit it, that would be illegal. Wow, I did not know that, that you could not legally transmit encrypted messages that the government could not get in and unencrypt. Wow, that is... Um, it's very interesting. So that goes to show that these things like Telegram and, and various things that are saying they're either encrypting your messages or they're somehow pri more private or more hidden, there's always a backdoor um, for the government to get into these. And um, that begs the question, some of these that are both private and public, how much does the government have their hands in the creation and the and the monopoly of these things too? Um, they have pretty much a total control, especially when you see the uh, the collaboration or the collusion, if you will, that's going on between big tech and the government and telecommunications, also for that matter. Um, I can tell you that the, all the major carriers, AT and T, Verizon, it doesn't matter who you name there are appliances at the edge of their networks that are transmitting all information that's traversing the internet over to the NSA. And it's just simply being archived. And until you become a person of interest, they'll go in and look at your information. So it's not like the old days when they did bug you and they had to catch you in the, at that moment. It's not like that at all. It's, it's all being uh, archived. But there is, because these are highly regulated industries and that's where the government gets its control through regulation. And so these bureaucracies have a, what's called a revolving door phenomenon. And it goes both ways. So the bureaucrat that's working in the agency is looking after his tenure is done to get a job at the company that he's regulating. And then of course, when they leave that company, they look for the position back in government again. So what do you think the motivations are there? It's not the marketplace that's bringing the motivations. They're not protecting the consumer. They're protecting, you know, their careers, and so that's that's why you see uh, government not acting on in our best interests. That is so similar to how the pharmaceutical industry works with the boards and the alphabet agencies and the companies, and how they um, all, yeah, alternate back and forth between working for one another and being on the various boards with one another. It's all, it's the same game, just a, just a different um, sector, really. So um, yeah, it's all, it's all very interesting. And I think now, you know, you mentioned some solutions for people about the emails and, um, and various things like that. What are you guys doing at SciWest to help people circumvent this um, government overreach and the lack of privacy? Um, so most of our business is B2B or business to business. And, you know, the cloud has really morphed into something that wasn't really what it, would, what it was intended to be in the beginning. Uh, today, businesses are being required to rewrite their applications, become compatible, 
you know, at the cloud infrastructures of Microsoft, Amazon, and Google. And the problem there is they're getting a lot of bait and switch tactics. Uh, they're, they're being shown very cheap and inexpensive uh, solutions. But once they get inside these, these environments, uh, the situation changes rapidly, especially based on need. And then we actually have a term in this industry called lock-in. Uh, where companies are finding it very difficult to get out once they get in. So it's a little bit of a Hotel California or a Venus flytrap. Um, so we are, we've created an alternative. That alternative is this is the cloud the way it was supposed to be. You can take that back-end server infrastructure that you had as it is and push it out to the cloud. And, and the reason why you would want to do that is because there are advantages to cloud technologies that you just don't have in-house. And so it makes you a lot more competitive as a business. Um, the other thing we've done is we've simplified the cloud. So we just were awarded a patent last year and we're working on another patent this year as well, where you don't have to be a cloud or a technology expert to use the most advanced features of this technology for your business and to be at just as competitive as any 500, Fortune 500 enterprise. So usually those are the guys that can, you know, you know, deal with that kind of an expense. Interesting story, by the way, um, and even some of these Fortune 500s are figuring out the problem. Uh, you can Google this if you want to. Bank of America uh, recently um, spent $350 million to get themselves out of Amazon's AWS cloud. And the CEO is claiming that they're saving $2 billion annually in doing so. So, it's happening at a very large scale, but it also is happening at small scale too. And a lot of businesses are hesitant or refusing to go into the cloud because they also see this happening. Uh, but B of A is not the only one. We see Seagate Systems, Target hired 4,300 uh, programmers internally so that they could become what's called cloud agnostic. They changed all their applications so they can run on any cloud and they can bring up resources when it's Black Friday, bring them down when it's, you know, when the sale is over. So very large companies are figuring out they need to go backwards a little bit from the time before everybody adopted cloud so, so reticently. And the, the other thing we're doing is we are using encryption technologies, of course, the legal encryption technologies. But we do these things by default. Uh, you don't get these things by other cloud players by default. So when you put your photos at a personal level up on iCloud, it's the same for business also. They're not going on a secure server. They're not going on a secure encrypted hard drive. So, and then you have to realize that especially these global companies, they replicate this data around the world. Now we're dealing not only with US policy, but now we're dealing with policies in the EU or perhaps even China. And if we think that the US is the only one with the back door um, on these encryption algorithms, then that, I think that's a pretty naive uh, position to take. But so we, we encrypt the data um, both at rest and um, in transport by default. Uh, and we also highly monitor things, uh, which is very important as well. And this is our first patent that we received last year. Uh, we're monitoring from a security basis, from a communications basis, from a cloud basis. We catch hackers all the time. We set up traps in our network. Uh, sometimes we call them honeypots, uh, but we catch them in the act. Um, 
We've shut down systems at the University of China. We've shut down systems in Buffalo, New York, and in Czech, Czech Republic uh, because we've caught them in the act going after our customer data. So it's a little bit of, you know, Greek mythology and the Trojan horse, right? Um, you can put up a wall. You can put up all the defenses you can to keep them out. But at some point, they're going to get in. And so we've asked the question, what happens when they get in? Um, and so we, we try to be as prepared for that as we possibly can. And we'll talk more about this. And if you can really have a closed system um, as a business, if that even exists anymore, if that's viable in the marketplace and some tips for parents too on how to protect their children and all of this in just a moment here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson. Right now you can head over to TarynGregson.com where we have your state exemption guide up on our website. Right there, you can go over to, to the vaccine safety resource guides as well as your exemptions by state under the resources tab at TarynGregson.com. And you can get those state by state resources. Also, speaking of you know, tracking and and um, everybody having your data. Did you know that the government has each state has its own tracking system for immunizations and shots and vaccines? So your child, whether they've gotten zero, all of them or somewhere in between on the childhood vaccine schedule, that is being tracked in state systems online. And so we have a way for you to, to go on on TarynGregson.com, see what your state tracking system is, and then you can go about trying to figure out how to opt your child out. So again, that data and information is not out there for everyone to see and anyone to see because that is your own and your child's own private medical information. So we are equipping you at TarynGregson.com. And so that leads us back into our discussion with Cyrus of SciWest Communications here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA. You know, you're talking about the cloud system and, you know, having uh, storage basically that is for these companies and networks for these companies that are um, safer and, pro and maybe more cost effective. Like you said, Amazon and Target has figured out that it's more cost effective to, excuse me, not Amazon, Bank of America and Target have realized that it's more cost effective to take it out of those big servers like Amazon and various places. Is it even possible today in this, in this world for a business, a successful one, maybe a mid to, to small level business to have a closed network system anymore these days? Or do you have to be on the club? Uh, you don't necessarily have to be on the cloud, um, but it's going to become much more difficult for you to compete in whatever vertical that you're in. Mm -hmm. These these very large, well, let me put it this way. One of the advantages smaller companies always have is their flexibility, their locality to a certain market and things like that. Well, the cloud technologies have actually expanded the reach of the larger corporations. And so now these larger companies are able to invade in, inside those marketplaces and also compete um, in price structures uh, because of what that technology is affording them. So it, it really is something that companies are going to need to look at into the future if they, if they do want to compete. Um, yeah, there are some things that will increase costs uh, in order to do 
uh, the things that you're asking in terms of a closed network environment. There are ways to do that, um, not 100%, um, but there are ways you can get yourself in the 90th percentile. Um, but again, it's been coming down to cost uh, once more because this industry that regulates or the government that regulates these industries, uh, for example, um, companies traditionally have used these corporate type circuits or enterprise type circuits, and these were closed networks. Um, they weren't secure networks, but they were closed. So that means you're, you weren't conducting business on the public internet. Uh, so you were probably inside of a particular carrier's network environment and you never left that environment. Um, but now in today's world, they've priced those products out of reach. And now all businesses are being forced to go out on the internet. Uh, and, you know, you can see what the motivation from government is for that because that opens them up. It's a much easier access for the government to look at all of the information that's being transmitted uh, since it's going over the internet. Um, but, um, and, you know, and companies are motivated because they're reducing costs and it's a significant reduction in those costs. So I, I think all we can really do is use the legal means necessary for us to protect our data as best as we can. But the, the other part of it comes down to how we use the technology. I can tell you that companies like law firms, for example, who are supposed to be keeping their, their customer data private uh, and privileged, um, a lot of lawyers for convenience will go out to Dropbox or go out to Google Docs and they'll do things outside of their company network and not realizing that all of that information, their client data is being replicated and not being put on secure or encrypted hard drives or anything like that. So, you know, it, it's not, it, it's so pervasive now that it's not just what we do, but it's what our friends and family do. It's what our colleagues do. How many of us who have never had a Facebook account probably have our face in Facebook um, that's been tagged to us? Um, and that's just because somebody else uh, did that. Yeah, it's and it's everywhere, which leads me into um, protections for parents. You know, I'm one of those parents that I have opted over time. Um, I wised up after a little while. I've opted over time not to to put my kids faces out there on the Internet anymore. And um, but we still hear these horror stories of how people's kids, their photos are being um, used and distributed around the internet for maybe something as, um, you know, maybe something as innocent, for lack of a better term, as advertising or a stock image somewhere else, or it can get very disturbing and, um, you know, disgusting the things that those images are used for as well. How do we protect our, our kids? Uh, yeah, the best defense uh, is to is to take that defensive posture um things um you're absolutely right especially with ai now yeah. it can take your child's image and then grow that child what they're going to look like into, as an adult and then have that adult version of your child saying things or doing things that they never have done and then that can be used against them uh later on uh, down the road it can it can devastate their lives when we start talking about credit scores and, you know, financial things and, you know, admitted, you know, being admitted to universities, although I don't know that I would want that uh, nowadays anyway. 
but um but yeah it keep your keep your children at a minimum um when my, when my girls were growing up um i got them cell phones that were designed for children mm-hmm. um you know so they could communicate they could have simple buttons that said you know here's mom here's dad here's fire and here's police and, uh, you know, the smartphones, they're mini computers. In fact, a lot of them are more powerful than the, the mainframes that we used back in the 70s. So uh, you have to keep that in mind. The App Store is uh, a source of probably information you don't want your children exposed to. I can't tell you how many times I go into the App Store and I see what's promoted at the top. And it's an image. Sometimes it's just an image that is transmitting a message that I really don't want my child to be buying into. It's just, it's so pervasive. You really have to be the watchdog in your child's life. And we can't have this, this laissez-faire attitude anymore with regard to our children and think that somebody else is gonna take that responsibility um, and watch our children for us. I think we now know that we can't trust the public school system with our kids. Uh, we, you know, we probably have to question the daycare center um, you know, and there's a lot of wisdom in that old adage that nobody tends your backyard better than you do. Absolutely. I think it's really important. And, um, even the, you know, I'm not one for government overreach whatsoever, but even the proposed, you know, safeguards of having age restrictions for internet usage and cell phone and social media usage, I should say, for kids. Um, I think that is important and worth pursuing, though, you know, always there's a way around that, too, for people to and kids to get get into those places. But again, just like you said, being um, proactive as a parent and um, and in that arena. So in our final two minutes, um, tell us some other ways that people can get connected with SciWest Communications and what you guys are doing there, whether they're just a person, just a regular person that needs help or they're a business. Uh, so we do have a website, which is SciWest.com. And on that website, we also have a link in the upper right-hand corner to our latest cloud iteration, which is SciWest Edge. And that's a landing page. I would encourage you to get to that landing page over our main website. There is a form on there that you can fill out. It's about you know test driving our cloud for 30 days. However, we also use that form just to have people reach out to us. So if you want a representative of ours, and sometimes it's even myself, I, I like to engage and be hands-on in the company. So um, we'll, we're perfectly willing to get on the phone and talk to people, uh, give them suggestions, tell them some of the things that we've done ourselves um, to protect um, our family and our information. Um, and so you can read about how these things work. Um, we're very descriptive in what we do. We also put everything up front. You can see pricing, you can see uh, service level agreements, um, which are very important, by the way. I know they're very boring, but uh, you've got to read those things. <laughs> Absolutely. Those are those are very important. Well, I know that I'm going to be talking with you specifically about my email. That's one thing that's really um, been bothering me on, you know, just lack of using the proper email uh, servers and things like that. Um, Those are just just taking baby steps. Right. You know, one thing at a time for people as we move forward, I think is is just key. Well, thank you so much, Cyrus of Cywest Communications for joining us here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson presented by We the Patriots USA. 
If you enjoy our content, prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation at wethepatriotsusa.org so we can continue to power the education arm of our mission that also extends to work to preserve and reclaim our God-given inalienable rights. God bless and thank you from everyone here on Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA.